Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, and today I'm answering your questions. Anytime you submit questions on my social media, they could end up on this podcast. Let's dive into today's question. Hello, we are back for another Q&A episode, and today's episode is actually inspired by a Facebook community that I am in. It currently, it's changed names, but it's currently called Toddlers with Autism, GDD, and Speech Delay. GDD meaning Global Developmental Delay. And it is a question I see pop up there all the time. So this is a community. I'll actually link it below that if you have a young child, it is, it's such a great community. Parents are so supportive, generally speaking, in there. And the page owner, Victoria, just has created such an amazing community. So currently, at the time of recording, there's 47,000 members in this. And they really do keep it uplifting and positive and really carefully monitor that things don't go haywire in terms of conversations and there is no form of parent shaming, which can be something that's tricky in groups like this. So This is a question I see pop up all the time, and I just wanted to talk about it today. It is, how do I know if my child is nonverbal or what's the definition of nonverbal? And it's interesting because I'll see parents go back and forth and throw different definitions. And technically, it's interesting, a little bit of history. In the past, nonverbal has meant that there is no verbal speech or no verbal communication. But I think there's so much ambiguity of what that means. But also, we we really have started to shift that label to non-speaking over non-verbal. One of the reasons for that shift, of course, came from neurodiversity and the autistic community, but it is being more inclusive. Nonverbal really what it means is that it is usually relating to or in the form of words. That's according to the dictionary. And that's the thing is autistic children who are non-speaking can still use language and have words, for example, through an AAC device, an augmentative and alternate communication device, also through things like what we call PECS, Picture Exchange Communication System. There's other ways to use words without verbally producing it, and that's where the shift to non-speaking came from. Now, let's get to this. So first off, how do you know if your child is non-speaking or the question was if my child is nonverbal. And first, what I want to say is I think we often want to provide these labels maybe too soon. And I absolutely understand why as a parent you want this clarification. But the thing with it is that we know for autistic individuals that development can really greatly vary. It's interesting because they used to say that kids, if they didn't have language by age five, that they weren't basically going to have language. And we know that is so not true. Where the age five came from is the brain is most malleable before age five, meaning it's most rapidly growing and evolving and changing. And so we see a a quick gain of skills in that time period, but that doesn't mean that the brain isn't malleable or changeable after age five. Actually, it's still very malleable and even all through adulthood it is. So that's the thing is I think sometimes we want to go to these labels 
as a way to understand your child. And I think it's also on the other side, it could be labeling them prematurely or putting them into a box. So I want to challenge you a little bit of why do you want to know this information? And a lot of times it is to help us understand children and help to provide some reassurance. It's part of the acceptance process, potentially. And I also want to encourage you that there's ways to accept where your child is without having these labels. Another example of this is like levels of autism. And that is not synonymous for building acceptance, that being able to label your child in this way and say, okay, yeah, I accept it. Acceptance is a much deeper process than that. And so I, that is the first piece I want to put out there is what what benefit is this going to give you by defining this? And is this label potentially going to sell your child short? So one of the things is if in your mind you're like, oh, my child is nonverbal or my child is non-speaking, that's a classification. And we actually know from a lot of research outside of the autism field that what we think is what we notice. So for example, the reticular activating system, it's called. If you think about, okay, I want a white car. Guess what? When you drive, you're going to see all these white cars, for example. And so it's like, oh, there's so many. So for example, one day I really want a Tesla. I see Teslas everywhere. And that's because of the reticular activating system. That's exactly how that part of the brain works, is that when we think it, we are primed to see that. And so are you in some ways, by labeling your child nonverbal, being primed to see the ways in which they are nonverbal or non-speaking and making them, so to speak, fit this box? And so I want to challenge you to let go of some of these labels and instead focus on what progress are you seeing? And and this is a little bit, I know I've re- referred to it multiple episodes at this point, but this idea of the gap and the gain, there's an episode all about it. It's like the gap mindset is that your child is nonverbal or non-speaking. The gain mindset is like, what communication bids is your child trying to do? And that's the thing is if we classify your child is not trying to communicate to you in a verbal way, we could be missing instances in which they are. For example, babbling, we might be like, well, that's not a word. Here's the thing we know with early language development. When your child babbles, you want to talk back to them exactly as if they're speaking full-blown sentences. You want to imitate them. It's like, it's basically like they're speaking a foreign language, but you're still acknowledging them. So they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, mimicking and imitating them back, that actually helps to progress language. But if we're in this 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 mindset of they're nonverbal or non-speaking, it's easy to go, well, that's not functional language. Why would I reinforce that? Why would I attend to that? Well, babbling is a precursor step to more neurotypical verbal production happening. The other thing is like gestures too. Children just naturally develop gestures before they develop spoken language. And if we're missing those and not reinforcing them, then we're not reinforcing the child's attempts to communicate. So why would they progress on to spoken language? The other area that I really want you to think about this is in terms of what we call echolalia, repeating things. So maybe your child scripts something from a movie and that is the basis of their language. 
it's easy to go, well, they're nonverbal or they're not non-speaking in functional ways. Like they're not saying anything important. Well, we know that a large, large percentage of children are called Gestalt language processors or GLPs. And that is a form of communication. And so if we think in this black and white box of like nonverbal versus verbal or speaking versus non-speaking, sometimes then we put our children into those boxes. And again, the reticular activating system makes us see information that supports that. And we could be missing all these other ways that they're trying to communicate. So I know I didn't answer the question of what defines nonverbal, but I ultimately think it doesn't matter. I, on this podcast, I've talked a lot about, yes, we have diagnostic criteria in order to get your child the quote-unquote label or diagnosis or identity of autism. But then I talk about as you move into the therapy side, we need to really be focusing more in terms of their strengths and really promoting quality of life. We don't want to get stuck in this deficit mindset because ultimately that's not going to serve you. You're going to obsess about it. You're going to worry about it. You're going to wonder what's going to happen for your child. You're going to miss beautiful moments in progress. It's not going to be serving for your child either because they're going to constantly grow up feeling like something's flawed with them, that there's something to be fixed. And I would say the same thing is true. Yes, you might go to a speech language evaluation that they say your child's language is severely delayed and they might use the term nonverbal or non-speaking. And they also might recommend things like PECs or an AAC device. But like, why do we need to keep running with that lingo? That That's not getting us anywhere. And so what neurodiversity would say, what I would say also as a provider, in case it's worth it, is like, let's focus on what is going well for your child. How can we reinforce that? How can we help to promote your child's communication? And here's the thing. We're only going to keep attempting to communicate if we feel seen, heard, and supported, right? That's true for you as a parent, and that's also true for your child, too. They want to feel seen and heard. And if they feel like nothing is getting your attention and you're in the mindset of words, 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 and they're trying to use pre-verbal attempts with you or even verbal attempts that don't fit neurotypical standards, we end up missing so much of their journey, of their progress, and of their attempts to enter our world. And some of how we enter their world is is acknowledging this because that is the basis of language development. I do need to have a SLP on the podcast soon so we can dive into some of these topics even further. But as as a psychologist, I talk about this a lot and help to support communication approaches. One resource for this that I'm going to link in the show notes is called An Early Start for Your Young Child with Autism. I do need to do a full podcast episode on this and early intervention and all of that, but I love it because it teaches you how to enter your child's world, how to reinforce their current communication bids, how to continue to promote communication bids. And what's really interesting is the last chapter is called Moving into Speech. And the way the book is designed is to go chapter by chapter and learn the skills and learn how to support your child. And if you jump to the last chapter, I believe it's chapter 14, it will literally tell you to go back to the start. And that's because of how language develops. All right, y'all, that's a wrap for this week's episode. Feel free, like, submit questions. Let me know what you want 
to have more of. Let me know what you want answered. I love being able to answer questions. So far, it's been through conversation that these things have come up or like today, it was a recurrent question I was seeing come up over and over again. All right, y'all, that is a wrap and I will see you soon. This episode was meant to be short and sweet. Full-length episodes air every Wednesday with many episodes like this sprinkled in between. So subscribe now so you don't miss the next one. And if you want to inspire a future episode, because that's how we roll over here, ask me a question on any of my social media pages for a chance to have your question featured. Bye, y'all, and I'll see you soon.